Thank you for once again tuning into Out of the Main. I am Tom Nixon, joined by John Nixon, two former musicians who currently reside in the Where Are They Now file. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> yes. A little Spinal Tap reference yeah. for you. Such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Uh, yes, welcome back. You have found, uh, if you were looking for Out of the Main, you are in the right place. You can also find us at uh, outofthemain.com and, of course, look us up on Facebook and Twitter and uh, make sure you're sending us your uh, viewer mail, as it were, however yes, you want to get sound it. effect dedicated to that, so yes. please. Yes, yes. Um, so I mentioned the Where Are They Now file. Mm-hmm. Um, came up with a concept that I hope we'll return to, but we're at least going to try it out today. Not Where Are They Now, although we may get to that point, but... Where were they then? Okay, that's a good way of framing it. So we've uh, honed in on an artist, and we'll do this again, as you said. And we want to examine, there'll be somebody that is connected to Yacht Rock, clear connection to Yacht Rock, but there's other aspects of their career, both potentially before and after their Yacht Rock years, that some people know about, some people don't, um, and they're kind of worth examining, almost watching their arc into the Yacht Rock genre, through it, and then out of it, what happened later. And a classic example of that might be uh, Richard Page and Steve George, right? Starting out as backup session cats, for the most part, Mm -hmm. singing vocals on Kenny Loggins and such. Then they become Pages. Yeah. And, and then, then they the go 80s on. came. Yeah, the 80s came, and they went. And they they became... were official cats of the 80s, but they were official cats of the 80s under the name Mr. Mister. Yes, which that was a shock to me that uh, when I first started getting into Yacht Rock, that there was a uh, a group that predated, essentially, uh, you know, Curie Laison mm-hmm. and all that, that sounded like Yacht Rock. I would have never yeah. connected the two. So I still was... struggle to connect the two. I mean, I know it, you know, in my mind, I know it mentally, but when I listen to it, I still don't really hear the connection. And that's the brilliance of how that well they reinvented themselves, I guess. Yes. To me. It's such is the case with the artist we're going to focus on today, and that yep. is Paul Carrick. Paul Carrick, yeah. And uh, how does he connect to Yacht Rock there, young Tom? I, I'm not sure. I was hoping you knew, but uh, actually, <laughs> here, I have a handy dandy website. Okay. I've uh, come to learn that actually a couple of shocking things. Um, for one, you know, the minute I heard the song, how long? So the minute I heard that song, Way back when I first started getting into Yacht Rock, which I didn't even know what it was, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is that is the personification of Yacht Rock. Um, then Can we I pause there for one second? Okay. <laughs> what are the markers in that song to make it Yacht Rock? Or were you headed there? I, I told you I had no idea what Yacht Rock was at the time. So, I, but I know, but it so, is certified, is it not? It is. Okay. So for then, that Tom Nixon would have said, wow, it's smooth. Um it's not like classic rock, you know. I always make that distinction. Yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. of a forgotten tune from my childhood. Yeah, had the nostalgia. Yeah, um, so I'm like all in on it. Yacht rock. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll talk about the markers. Do you have any? You've often said that the guitar solo is not yachty. Yeah, and just in general, I, I'm not going to argue that it isn't yacht rock. But I guess I'm going to make the argument that not every yacht rock song is plug and play. That oh, if it has the markers, it's in. And if it doesn't have the markers, it's not. Because I don't hear. Any jazz, I don't yeah. hear any 
R&B. I, you know, obviously we know Paul Carrick as a blue-eyed soul character later. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear a lot of that in there. It's not a lot of sophistication. You know, there's a couple interesting chord motions, but That's... in general, it's not like a jazzy chord thing. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say it shouldn't be certified. I'm saying that there should be room for songs like this that do some of those things that you say, but don't necessarily check all the boxes. True. Although, you know, so the going back to one of the shocking things, this was 1974. I had no re- idea that this was so far out of like the true Yacht Rock era. I would have thought yeah. 1980 maybe for this tune. Yeah, I think the backup vocals when they sing How Long are so smooth that they don't sound like 74. They sound more like 76, 78 to me. But here's a marker for you. Okay. The whole notion of we're going to play the intro in one key and then we're going to do a key change just to get into the first verse. <laughs> that is a Yacht Rock thing. There's some truth to that. Yeah. So then the other shocker was then I'm doing a little more digging. I finally start actually like looking into the personnel and things like that. And then I find out that, wait, that's Paul Carrick mm-hmm. in Ace? Mm-hmm. And I knew Paul Carrick. As yeah, what lead- immediately popped to mind when you heard the name Paul Carrick? The lead singer of Squeeze. Okay. What about you? For me, it was, it's kind of weird, but mostly Mike and the Mechanics, even though I knew of Squeeze, it, for some reason that is what jumps to mind to me. Okay. Well, we're going to get to both of those. Um, So anyways, we thought, wow, that's similar to pages and Mr. Mister. This is a kind of an interesting career arc. And the more that you, uh, as they say, peel back the onion, the more layers you are revealed. Yeah. You know what layer kind of struck me as I was doing this is how many times, and I'm sure this will be a recurring theme because we'll get to it and we'll point it out. But my, after X amount of years, how many years you know he's been doing this? And when I look back at him now, and when I think of Paul Carrick, I picture this guy who is one of the small handful of people you would say just the ultimate singer, pure vocalist of his era. Yeah. Right? Uh, he didn't always show it a lot, and we'll cover that as well. But he was one of those guys that you just say was somehow a notch above the others. You know what I mean? Yes. He was yet. Oh, yeah. There's a yet. In nearly every band he was in, he was not the primary lead singer. (laughs) He joined most of these as a keyboard player and sang an occasional lead vocal. How does Paul Carrick not become your lead vocalist? He wasn't the lead vocalist of Squeeze. He did sing Tempted. Yep. And a couple others. He was not the lead singer of all of Ace's songs. He was not the lead singer of of Mike and the Mechanics only some of the time. Yeah. And so this goes on and on. It's impossible to believe that Paul Carrick could be sitting on the sidelines. Well, exactly. You know, he was dubbed the man with the golden voice by (laughs) the BBC. Certainly not by everybody. Not by everyone. Um, So, again, so I decided, all right, let's let's fill in some of the blanks. Because what I knew of was... What I just say? It was the squeeze and it was Mike and the Mechanics, like you said. Yeah. Um, I had no idea, going back to you, you know, what you said about him being a keyboardist, that he joined um, Roxy Music. Yeah, that was new to me, too, in my research here. It's, Again, didn't sing, right? Well, didn't I guess, sing. I guess not yet. Brian Ferry covering most of that, but still. Still, yes. But, I mean, he was on, as I, at least I learned, tell me if, I, if you read something else, he was on the Avalon album. Okay. Which to me is like the pinnacle of yeah. of Roxy Music. Yeah. Certainly the most polished. Well, let's go. Um, 
we know what he did with Ace. We know that that song is certified. And uh, interesting though, you asked about the markers. I yeah. meant to bring this up earlier. Okay, you know this is one song that for whatever reasons was rated twice. Oh, no way. It's on two different episodes. It's on uh, Yacht or Not 23 and Yacht or Not 8. Yeah, now I remember this. And the ratings are fairly close, aren't <laughs> they? They are, but they all, every single rater has different scores. Well, you can't remember every exactly si- what you did, but... No, yeah. not that you should remember, but that just shows to how it's not exactly scientific. No, it's mood-based it to, is. to some it's, degree. It's, it's gut feel, right? So it not is. anyone had the same score twice. Anyways, so go ahead. So we know what he did. Uh, obviously, this is well-publicized and well-played. How long? Yeah, well, it's, you know, he was, he was uh, well-connected with another iconic British songwriter, um, Nick Lowe. Yes. Did a lot of work with Nick Lowe. They eventually, at one point, shared a backing band that uh, they used to record songwriting demos. Some of those became Nick Lowe albums. Some of them became uh, Paul Carrick albums. But they had this idea that we would share a band and uh, record with each other and produce each other's demos and yada, yada, yada. Well, 1982, Nick Lowe produced an album for Paul Carrick. And I think this kind of... um, even though it's early, it sums up where Paul was going to be headed later because this is clearly different from what he did with Squeeze, what he did with Mike and the Mechanics. Again, in those situations, he was not the driving force. He was playing a part. Uh, eventually, in his solo work, he does the music he wants to do. And I think we get a little glimpse as to what he's going to be doing here. This is from 1982, a solo album called Suburban Voodoo. And let's take a little bit of listen to I Need You. I don't need- So you can hear that there's that uh, British blue-eyed soul. His whole career orbits around this sort of, I, I guess it is blue-eyed soul, but it's more from the British side. They took the Brits took the blues and did something different whether than we did. Whether it's Stones, Zeppelin, whatever, their take on the blues was different than the American take on the blues. And Paul's work surrounds that. Yes. Well, since you brought that up, um, this his collaborations with Nick Lowe. Yep. Um, did you discover in your research the song that they wrote together that would later be covered by Diana Ross? No, I missed that one. All right. Tell me, tell me, tell me. All right. So it's called uh, Battlefield. It's kind of yachty. So yeah, that's Diana Ross's version, Battlefield, which it's is like a late of, '80s Supremes. Yes. Sound. <laughs> yep. Uh, the song that they wrote was called "I Live in a Battlefield." So okay, that's interesting. Um, just real quick before we get too much into the uh, the the bigger part of his career, I was shocked also to find out that Paul Carrick did the keyboards on the first Smiths album. Yeah, and apparently played on keys for the Pretenders as well at some point. I, I would have Come never on, known that. I know, I know. So anyways, these are just some of the little nuggets buried uh, in this illustrious career. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, so we're kind of now in the chronology where we touched on Roxy Music. Um, let's do a little bit of Squeeze. Okay. Tempted by the fruit 
so will you I kind of got for uh pardon the pun I, I kind of got squeezed out yeah in the late 80s and 90s maybe yeah and even um tempted which uh, was the, the the song that he sang lead on that was the big hit um he, the other big hits he did not sing lead on um but that one man during the days when I still had serious radio 80s on 8 I swear play that song every hour <laughs> So, yeah, I got squozed out as well. Well, my brother, uh, non-listener Mark, played that singles compilation oh nonstop to the point where I, like, I couldn't take it anymore. But now I can go back and listen to it and because I've cut it out of my life for so long, yeah. and I can see the good parts of it. Do I you have a favorite from them? Um, I think it's still Black Coffee in Bed. Yeah. For me, it's it. Uh, what is it? Pulling Muscles from a Shell, whatever that song yes. is. Yeah. He didn't sing that one? No. That, that sounds like it. I know. Well, according to what I read, he did not. Okay. Well, and this brings to mind another thing that I've found out about his singing style. So he's in all these different acts. And as you listen to them, I don't know that you can always directly <laughs> connect the dots and say, well, that sounds exactly like the guy from, from Ace. Right? I just got done saying how he's the, the, the great singer, the man with the golden voice above everybody else. Yet I agree in many of the bands he's in, I can't tell you which one he is. So. <laughs> that's, that's nitpicking, isn't it? I guess I just uh, defunded my own thing there. Yeah, exactly. Because I find that, that to be the case with uh, Mike and the Mechanics, which I guess is where you're headed. Yes. And the other lead singer, Paul Young, which is not the famous Paul Young from uh, Every Time I Go Away and right. um, Come Back, uh, whatever that song was. So this is a different Paul Young. Put a pin in that, though. We will get to that. But So the biggest hits that uh, Paul Carrick sang for Mike and the Mechanics, I'll quickly run those down. 1985, Silent Running. Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? That was their first big hit. Probably, I think, what would be considered the most iconic Mike and the Mechanics song would be from 1988, The Living Years. Do you agree that that's probably their yes. stake in the ground sort of song? Yes, I do. And they had another hit, though I don't remember this at all, which makes me wonder if it was a hit in Europe, just not here. 1995, they did an album called Beggar on a Beach of Gold. It's got 145 million spins on Spotify, so we're yeah. talking a lot of spins. A song called Over My Shoulder, and this one really grew on me over time. Yeah, that was, was kind of new to me, too. I yeah. remember it or recognize it, I should say. I don't know that I could have like called it to mind. Yeah, the production of it, the percussion and stuff, and the um, like, the direct plug-in acoustic electric guitar, mm. it's kind of harsh, and it made me want to tune out, but I couldn't. The song was so good, I couldn't tune it out. Yeah, yep. And Mike and the Mechanics, in case anyone doesn't know who they are, I mean, I'm sure music fans would know, but... Mm -hmm. Who's Mike Rutherford? Explain for the class. He was from Genesis, and he would have been the primary uh, bass player, guitar player in the later years, because Steve Hackett was early on. When Steve Hackett left, then Mike Rutherford kind of took over doing guitar as well as bass. Yep. So we're talking more of the Phil Collins hit radio hits years. He would have been that guy. And so... Was this during like Genesis was had like a hiatus kind of going while Phil Collins was pursuing his solo career and this was Mike Mike Rutherford's sort of outlet? That's how Jeez. I remember it. I don't yeah. know if that's ac entirely accurate. Seems like this like the well, 
it must have been thinking that they started in 85, because I was going to say it seems like it would have been a little bit later, but 85 would have been about the right timing for that. So maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. 85 to 86 is when he is when that first album came yeah. out. Yep. Hmm. So were you a big fan of Mike and the Mechanics? Going back to the question you asked me about Squeeze, what are your thoughts on them? I was a huge fan of the song Living Years. I've tried to listen to the albums and I cannot connect beyond the hits. Hmm. At all. Can you? Uh, I confess to not having done that until recently. So here's what happened. So I wanted to, to go and find a playlist that was inclusive of his entire career. I figured Couldn't. someone would have created it. I know. I did try to do the same thing. Well, guess what? What, you made one? I've done it. Ah. So well, you're going to get famous on Spotify now. Yeah, I might go uh, viral. Is it viral? On Spotify? Viral? Um, so you're not viral. I know that. <laughs> so I've, it includes stuff from. It's not exhaustive, but it it includes stuff from Ace, Roxy Music, The Smiths, his oh solo stuff, goodness. which we haven't even touched on yet. Right. Um, and of course, Mike and the Mechanics, and, and more, which we're not even quite done it, yet. As the kids say, send me the link. I will. Yeah. I'll actually. I will include it in the show notes as well okay. for the children at home. Um. Yeah. So Mike and the Mechanics. Although it seems to me like that was. They were huge for a short time. Yeah, it had to be about only a three-year window because, like we said, we don't remember the 1995 song. I primarily remember those two albums, 85 and 88. Yep, exactly. Well, tucked in between there yes. was a solo album that features one of my favorite songs from the 80s to this day. That's off the same album, because you brought up this album, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's Don't Shed a Tear. Don't shed a tear for me. That intro, the first time I heard that intro, and I didn't really know that much about, I guess, who it was, and Paul Carrick, and way back at the time, I heard that intro, I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Once it all kicks in, it grooves. Yeah, exactly. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so let's just, so up to now. So that's 1987. 1987. So we're not even, we're about halfway through, I think, what we're going to cover. But let me ask you this. Just do you see the connectivity from Ace to Squeeze to Mike and the Mechanics to his solo or beyond like his signature voice, which we said sometimes isn't always there. But like, I'm kind of seeing it. It doesn't feel like an evolution to me. Sim- similar to way, uh, like, Mr. Mister doesn't feel like an evolution right. of pages to me. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I feel like, in all cases up to now, he's playing a role, as I said. He's doing what is asked of him in the bands that he's in. And even when he did his solo record there, I think he's doing sort of what was expected at the time. 
I don't see an evolution, at least not into where he goes later. I think at some point he decides to put all of that to bed and say, now I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Interesting, because that's kind of what my takeaway was as well. Um, Real quick diversion in 1987. I never knew this existed. Did you know that he was on Roger Waters' Radio Chaos album? I Only when I read that, um, I listened to that album probably a zillion times in a row when I first got it. Yeah. And I do remember there's a vast amount of names credited on that song. The tide is turning. Um, even Sylvester Stallone has a line in there. He refers to Sylvester, and I think there's a like a sound effect of him dropping. But they got <laughs> yeah, all, this, all these names at the end because it's one of those big choir kind of events. It was like a post-Live Aid sort of celebration song it's like now that we've done live aid and we've made this statement where do we go from here and we know the answer to that was wah, wah. <laughs> poor <laughs> roger yeah huh? yeah but yeah so i didn't know that he had you know he had like a lead vocal line in that yeah. tune so and that led him to he got you know connected to roger in in 19 was it 90 or 91 when they did the wall live in berlin so they did the entire production of the wall live with a bunch of guest artists i know cindy lopper was one uh, i don't know all the names off the top of my head but uh paul carrick got to sing one of their more iconic hits and he did the lead vocal on hey you Yep. And that's a pretty amazing performance there. And the yeah. video of it is killer, too, because he's up on the wall, and it's, oh, my gosh, it's yeah. so good. Killer, killer, yeah. killer. Um, are we uh, supposed to take that pin out yet? You told us to put one in, but uh, when what are we going to unpin it? What did I say the pin it? for now? I think <laughs> <laughs> said put a pin in it. I don't know if it was, the, it was the Paul Young reference right around there. Oh, no, we're not there yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> do you remember what the pin is? I do now. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> but we're not there yet. I did want to point out, and maybe you have this in your notes, or maybe you didn't dig as deep i kind of got lucky when i came across this 1989 he did an album called groove approved now we're starting to see where he wants to go Mm. because he's starting to point his compass towards this blue-eyed soul in fact he has a song co-written by the yacht father michael mcdonald called love can break your heart and it has many many key changes in it I did discover that song uh, late in my late in the day. So, did you go to uh, look at the personnel on it? It's kind of interesting. No, let's hear that. Okay, personnel on it. It's not Yachty at all. But what is interesting about it is that it's almost like um, it, it's a high personnel record, but maybe more connected to the eighty style of music and maybe potentially more uh, British related. I don't know, but uh, it was produced by uh, T Bone Wolk, who was the bass player for. Hall and Oates during their big band boom years. Ah. Now, if you listen to that song again, you'll hear a lot of those techniques, a lot of the sounds, a lot of the baseline types of stuff that you would have heard on Big Bam Boom. So it's like Wolk took what he learned from Clear Mountain mm. and applied it to this. And now here's the additional uh, Mickey Curry on drums. Mickey Curry was Hall and Oates drummer for a long time there, also played with a bunch of other people, but uh, Robbie McIntosh on guitar. 
Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Um, Joe Lynn Turner, lead singer of like Deep Purple and some of those metal bands back then. Daryl Hall on backing vocals. Paul Young on backing vocals. Which Paul Young? I don't know because I couldn't click through. Oh. Now, shall I continue and take care of the pin? Or yeah, you know, I think, yeah, that? let's do the Paul Young. All right, here we go. Pins. Now, 1991 comes along. Okay, the I remember Paul that. Young, the famous Paul Young. I know I keep saying the famous, but you know, the one that we know of from yep. those uh, big songs. He did a Greatest Hits mm-hmm. and added a cover song in which he co-sang with... Paul Carrick. Paul Carrick sings the primary harmony and gets to sing the latter half of the second verse of Crowded Houses, Don't Dream It's Over. Ah! And the paper today tells of war and of waste But you turn right over to the TV page So now we know he's worked with both Paul Youngs. Yes. I wonder how many people could say it's that. another one you're not quite sure who you're hearing do what. But you can tell when Carrick takes his uh, sort of verse there, you could tell it's him. And in his style, he does like, he gives you a little bit of like a twist on the melody, but he never does the, hey, I'm going to take over and show you everything I can do in four measures. Ooh. You know, he's very coached in the way he does it. That's very interesting because I did find a 2014 cover of just Paul Carrick doing Don't Dream It's Over. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's it, where it came from, probably. Yeah, it must be. Oh, well, I got to put a pin in that. That song does not yet appear in my playlist, but by the time this episode airs, it will. Okay. If it's on Spotify, is it? It is. Okay. Yep. I'm going to find that. So I got some more nuggets, but I'm going to uh, turn the, uh, the rudder back over to you. Okay. Well, you brought us into the harbor. I'm going to bring us out. Uh, did you find the collab between one Paul Carrick and gentlemen, um, I don't know if I should even say their names, but they're Eagles. Ah, careful. <laughs> Don Henley and Timothy B. Schmidt. I I knew about that one for a long time. All right. So what do you know about this song? This is Love Will Keep Us Alive that Paul Carrick co-wrote with Jim Capaldi and Peter Vip. Yeah, I did know about this song. Actually, I'll be honest, I didn't know back in the day that Paul Carrick co-wrote this, but I do know the song very well because they had the it was from the Eagles Hell Freezes Over live album with four new studio cuts, and this was one of the studio cuts. So that was really interesting to hear that. Yes. So apparently they get to know each other because uh, on two other separate occasions, Paul Carrick is so he records the song with Timothy B. Schmidt yes. and Glenn, yeah. uh, not Glenn Fry, Don Henley later, and also collaborates with Don Henley on a song called I Don't Want to Hear Anymore from a 2014 release called I Know That Name. I did not know that one. Yes. Well, good digging. Yes. So he, he's collabed with the best of them, both the Yachty, Michael, uh, McDonald, and the non-yachters. Yeah. Wow. Talk about really bridging the gap between yacht and yacht. <laughs> he also did, uh, apparently he toured uh, 
I don't know for how long, but I know it was like early 2000s, he toured with the uh, Ringo All-Star Band, too. I guess. So, so yep. you know, he got to sing, I guess he sang How Long. Because what they do in the uh, with the Ringo thing is that you play with, with the band, but each artist gets to feature one of their iconic hits that they get to sing. So no matter who you are in the band. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, uh, you've, you've promised nuggets. I only have a, a f- couple other nuggets. It's just they're... They're just interesting to me. There's okay. some the collaborations. Hit, hit those. So he played organ on Elton John's Made in England, hmm. 1995, uh, and a number of other songs, um, including something about The Way You Look Tonight, which was coupled with Candle in the Wind. Remember that, too? Yeah, I do. So it was like, they called it a double A-side single. <laughs> so he's playing organ on the second A-side, which I think really was the B-side. Yeah. A lot uh, of organ playing in his past. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's pretty versatile. Yeah. Um, and then, um, speaking of organ, this last one just brings us up to 1997. He plays organ and gets to sing vocals with B.B. King on a tune called Deuces Wild. Hmm. Okay. Since you didn't ask for one more, I thought you were going to. Uh, keyboards on Simply Red. I know Reds. better, but go ahead. <laughs> Simply Red's Blue. Keyboards. Ah. Yes. Yes. That's a good record. I didn't know that. Okay. It is good. Blue, again, going back to the blues. <laughs> yeah. And another album he didn't sing on. He's got a lot of, on his solo works, you notice the word blues or the word uh, soul or groove is in nearly every title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you, are we now getting to the point where you think now that he's kind of found what he wants Paul Carrick sound to be? It seems like he's found that maybe even since the mid nineties. I mean, at least the last 20 years for sure. He's kind of stayed around the same area. He's done a lot of covers of songs, iconic songs from that era. One of my favorite covers that he did, since we're talking about it, is the little, uh, uh, <laughs> little rascals, young rascals, grooving. Grooving on a Sunday afternoon. That's a good one. But that, that you know, you can hear that that service is homage to the era that he is pointing to. I, well, he also did a cover of What's Going On. Mother, mother, there are too many of you crying. Oh, yeah. So he's, now he's got the Motown soul yeah, going, too. Yeah. He's clearly telling us what his influences were. Yep. 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 Uh, all right. Well, what other nuggets are you, are you holding back? I'm holding back a lightning bolt. Okay. Lightning round. I just wanted to point out that his uh, when he uh, signed with, or he created his own label in 2000, Okay. The first release was Satisfy My Soul. There you go. That's what I was holding back. <laughs> All right. Well, lightning strikes twice. No, we did that. We did uh, that. Already. That was last week. So lightning's going to strike once. Um, found at sea. Yep. Do you want to kick us off here? Sure. Here's what I found at sea. Uh, you made waves, by the way, this week. You were found at sea with Captain Kyle of the Sailing with Captain Kyle show from the radio show from out of uh, Flint, Michigan. Would you like to explain what you why you were found at sea? Um, yes, I guess so. Sure. Give us a quick uh, little synopsis. I commissioned listener Kyle to do a painting. Yeah. And, and uh, I originally wanted him to create a replica of the Christmas album artwork that we did. 
Yeah. It was his idea. He said, let me do something a little different. I'd yeah. like to do something with you and your bride. Okay. Which, if you've seen any of his other artwork, he's done that for like Peter Beckett and Eden, um, Joe Porta. Yeah. And his wife. Uh, so now I am. Uh, oh, so he's got like a, a, a template, a stencil that he can just color you in? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Okay. no. He, he, had, he, he had to use a lot of uh, the uh, yeah. peach coloring for my <laughs> skull. Well, it would have been unfair maybe to the guy who uh, won the artwork for the. Yes, album to true. do a replica of it. So, but what was cool is I didn't realize what he was going to do was do a um, a visual pictorial of the August Red song "Never Ending Story." Oh, okay. So Very if you nice. look at it on the left, it's dark and tumultuous, and on the right, it's yachty and bright. Okay, and that's how that story went. So it's me and my my wife Julie. So that was, that's how I was found at sea. All right, I'll tell you something I found at sea in the most unlikely of places, a sports blog. <laughs> wow. Somebody found and posted this video, which I'll put in the show notes. It is the most popular songs by month from 1980 all the way to 2022. And it's got about 10 snippets of each. Wow. Okay. How much Yacht Rock would you say? I watched the whole thing. If you had to guess how many songs would be considered Yacht. Well, obviously it starts in 80, so yep. you're only going to 84, and you said it's by month. So mm-hmm. we'd be talking officially 48 months, mm-hmm. right, if my math is correct. Well, 80 to 22, that's... Right, but they, they wouldn't be... It's 12 months per year. I was told there would be no math, but we're at 44 Well, yeah, but, years, not, but I'm not expecting years. a lot of yacht from 2006. Uh, I'm true. thinking okay, the years you're saying the yacht, gotcha, would gotcha. be the primary place they would be found. I would say by month, top song is in sold as in. This yes. Is a, yep. I bet it's low. I bet it's like six. I think that's. I think it's, if you're stretching it, it's six. Oh boy. Yeah. I think it's more like two. Ooh. <laughs> and, but I was watching it. The first song to be yacht, and this is certified, uh, came in July of 1980. So only seven months in. Yeah. You get your first one, and that's uh, Magic by Olivia Newton John. Yachtsky score, perfectly 50. I was just going to say, I bet that one's hotly debated, too. It's, that's not exactly a cincher. It's 50. Wow. So, yep. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, that's a, it was an interesting video to watch, though, nonetheless. Okay. So, uh, I will post Why, that. What was the connection notes. to the sports blog? That's or just I've, some random uh, spammer? Yeah. No, just put that up on the message board. I'm like, okay, okay interesting. Wow. Um, it's college sports blog, so there's not much college sports going on right now. Oh, yeah. All right. So, my buried treasure is actually related to the topic at hand. And okay. um, it's a typical graph of mine or a recurring one is that we don't go deep enough into these artists catalog to find other gems that you could put on a playlist or a serious XM radio station, for okay. example. And I found a lot of other ACE that is like right in the pocket with how long that could, really, yeah. Well, so, how many albums did they do? Like uh, I think three. Okay. This one comes from the album after five aside, which okay. is where how long's from. So this is 1975, uh, Time for Another is the album, and here's a tune called No Future in Your Eyes. Yeah, I definitely hear connection to how long there. Yeah. Okay. It's good stuff. Yep. Um, but yeah, I guess you'd have to do a little bit of work to, to, to certify that. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. So that's my buried treasure. My buried treasure is you, you, I guess you, maybe you explained 
a little bit of the mystery of this that uh, you mentioned that he played keys for a short time with uh, Roxy Music. Yes. Particularly the Avalon era. So the later era, the more Brian Ferry dominant area, era, because yes. he kind of took more and more control of the band as time went on. Uh, again, from this same album called um, Still Groovin', 2014, the same one that had the uh, Young Rascals song, not the Little Rascals song. <laughs> Uh, he did a Brian Ferry cover. He covered a song that I loved from the She's Having a Baby soundtrack, and uh, that Brian Ferry did the yes. original. Yeah. Yep. And here's uh, Paul Carrick's cover of Crazy Love. Give me love, love, love. Yes, lovely too. That is actually a cover of a Van Morrison tune. And I did not know that until you pointed yes. that out during the commercial break. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So that moves us into the off the map section. Yep. And I guess that's me, right? It is you. Yeah, Snake Draft. I say that every episode from <laughs> now on. Um, 2014. Paul Carrick, apparently a very fertile period for him. Because well, it, what wasn't? This is a different <laughs> album. This is uh, from 2014. The album is called Blue Views. So we're going up blue in there, <laughs> yep. right? And uh, this song really caught my attention. Love this beautiful off-the-map selection. And <laughs> it's called Eyes of Blue. Hit it. But it's painfully clear. There's a river of tears behind those eyes of blue. Jeez. Yeah, that's a good tune, too. There's a lot of blue. A lot of blue. It is, do you think he only agreed to play with Simply Red if they would name the album Blue? Gosh, I wonder if he did keyboards on Out of the Blue. <laughs> he was never in the Ocean Blue. Okay. And we know that to be... Or Blue's brother. Yeah, probably not. Um, okay. Well, that brings it back to me. I'm actually going to credit you with this uh, my off the map because well. um, you turned me on to this entire album, which I would have probably never gone to listen to, but it's the Haircut 100 album. I know. God, what a find that was. I've been sitting there in plain sight for me all these years. Oh, it's so good. Now, it's sort of only sort of yacht adjacent. But, but there's a lot of little markers here and there that are sprinkled in that are yachty. There's nothing yep. in there that I would even send in for certification, but boy, there's a lot of little mm. nuggets there. Yep. And I happened to be doing a crossword puzzle this week, and the answer was haircut 100. No way. So, yep. So, what was the clue? It was... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was the, the band haircut 100? It was the band okay. haircut yep. 100, yes. <laughs> the thing crossing it was... Uh, Something, uh, Benjamin, right? Is Benjamin on the hundred dollar bill? No. Private Benjamin, Hamilton. No, oh. whatever. <laughs> cut uh, that out. Here, right. cut that out. Anyways, let's get to the tune. Here's just somewhat randomly picked off of it because I heard it this week. Lemon Firebird. <laughs> titles on that album are so bizarre but the songs that guitar player you could just listen to him because the precision the speed at which he's strumming and muting and playing these riffs it's unbelievable how precise this guy was you'd swear it's midi you would swear good. yeah but it's not. um but it's got fire in the title so that's yeah. kind of like uh, relevant to keeping the fire oh there you go that's good Ahoy. all right well i guess uh you have anything else any other nuggets any uh pins to pull i have pulled all the pins well, so I, I guess that's it. Fond. That's, that's the end. Can I say it? Goodbye. No. What? Okay. Yeah.
Foley. Hello, Cleveland! Hello! 